Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake, and thanks for tuning into the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank all of my followers and all the people who listen to me week after week. I appreciate it. Thank you. So on this podcast, we're going to be talking about a hypothetical Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving situation. We're going to be talking about all of the awards that the NBA is going to give out, such as Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, etc., MVP, and then we're going to talk about any other basketball news as it becomes present. So, right now, uh, we're going to talk about a hypothetical situation in which the Boston Celtics get all three of Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and um, Kevin Durant. And I saw this actually on um, Instagram. I saw something, someone posted a Celtics feed about it. And I thought, you know, yeah, that, that's something that could, could be possible. And um, it's something that um, is a um, hypothetical situation that probably won't happen, but it's something that we have to think about. So, looking at the salary cap situations for all three teams, the Boston Celtics have Gordon Hayward, who makes $32 million, Al Horford, who has a player option next year for $30 million, Kyrie, $21 million player option, Marcus Smart, $12 million, and Tatum, $7 million. Going down, Jalen Brown, $6 million, Rozier, $4 million. Uh, he's got a qualifying offer, and then some other smaller contracts. Marcus Morris will be off the books, $5 million, and Aaron Baines will be off the books, $5 million. So... The Celtics will have, um, at the moment, a big contract in Gordon Hayward, and then Al Horford and Kyrie Irving are player options. And then looking at Golden State, Steph Curry's there. Clay Thompson's going to be a free agent, but he is going to most likely resign. Durant has the player option. Draymond has the player, or no option. He's just got one year left, 18 mil. Iguodala's 17 mil. And then Livingston's got the team option, which they'll probably get rid of. DeMarcus Cousins is off the book. Urepko's off the book. And then going down to all of those other contracts we don't have to deal with. And then New Orleans is going to have a lot of cap space as well. They got Drew Holiday, who's on the books for 26 mil. Anthony Davis, who's on the books for 27. And Solomon Hill for 13 mil. Etwan Moore for 8 million. And then... Going up the list, player option for Julius Randle and everyone else is either um, qualifying offer or a free agent or too small of a contract to make a big difference. So um, that is the three teams right there. So in this hypothetical situation, you are going to have um, the Boston Celtics getting Durant and getting Anthony Davis. Now, to get this to work, it would have to be a three-team trade involving all of these different options, all of these different locations. So Durant would have to opt in. That's uh, the first thing. He would make $31 million next year. Then Kyrie Irving would have to opt in, $21 million, um, et cetera, et cetera. Although for Kyrie Irving, he doesn't exactly have to opt in per se. It would be great if he did. But Kyrie Irving, since he's on the Celtics, they're going to have bid rights. And so they can go over the cap space with Kyrie Irving on their roster. So, um, you know, they can... Kyrie Irving can say that he wants to stay in for one more year using that player option. Or Kyrie Irving can wait it out as a free agent. 
and just sign a contract with Boston afterwards because Boston can offer him the most money. But it would obviously have to happen after Kevin Durant got traded and Anthony Davis. So, um, and then again, Al Horford has $30 million left on his contract. But, you know, he's probably going to take that player option, but he might restructure it in a way that he makes $15 million this year and $15 million next year instead of $30 million this year and then a free agent next year. Because odds are Al Horford's not making $30 million in his next contract. Most likely it's going to be in the $15 million range, probably less. Because he is um, getting older um, and uh, he's you know in his 30s now. So his uh, youthful prime is waste is going away so um now looking at the trade you would have to include gordon hayward if you're the celtics and gordon hayward would have to go to golden state because if you're trading away anthony davis obviously new orleans is not going to want to take on a big big contract of that size because they're probably just going to want to rebuild and restructure their team so golden state who is going to have steph curry clay thompson and uh, Draymond Green is going to be 100% fine taking on Gordon Hayward's contract in certain situations. And I think um, it'll work to their fate. So just getting a trade that is going to work for each side is um, uh, going to be a little difficult with the money. Um, some players are going to be free agents and some... Um, dead money will be in there, so they'll have to try to make a trade that works for all of the sides. And so what I came up with is this trade. So the Celtics are going to get Kevin Durant via a sign-and-trade and opt-in, or opt-in. And then they're going to get Anthony Davis uh, right there. The Warriors are going to get Gordon Hayward from the Celtics. They're going to get a 2020 second-round draft pick from Atlanta which was part of that Jabari Bird dump-off at the deadline, and they're going to get a 2020 second-round pick of their own. And then they're going to get a 2019 second-round pick from Denver, which is um, coming to the Pelicans. So the Pelicans will trade that to the Warriors there. So Warriors will get get three second-round draft picks. And then it comes to what the Pelicans get. Now, the Pelicans are going to get Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, which are both guys that they believe need to be involved in any trade involving um, the Celtics. At least that's the early rumors that I'm hearing. And then they're going to get the 2019 first-round pick from the Clippers. They're going to get a 2019 um, first-round pick from Memphis. They're going to get a 20... uh, 19 first round draft pick from uh, Boston, their own pick, and then they are going to get a Memphis draft pick next year. So Clippers, Memphis, Philadelphia, and their own pick, and then the Celtics are going to get a second round pick from the Pelicans, which is the Pelicans' own second round pick, just so they're not completely losing out of picks in this draft, they'll just get one that's you know, a lottery pick in the second round. So that'll um, work for them. So I think this works uh, on all sides. You know, the Warriors get 
Gordon Hayward, who they can use as a shooter. They can use him as a starter in their lineup. Uh, he, I think, would fit well with the uh, Clay, Steph, Draymond situation there. You know, they can put him in small ball and big, big situations. Put him at you know small forward, shooting guard, power forward where they need to put him. And then when you look at it from the Celtics' standpoint, obviously they get the best player, which is Kevin Durant, and then they get the best player from New Orleans, which is Anthony Davis, which is what they want to do. Uh, if Kevin Durant says, hey, I'm, I'm leaving unless um, I'll sign and trade with the Celtics or I'll opt in and trade with the Celtics, which um, if he says that, then, you know, the Warriors, you know, that's what, you know, it's probably the best thing for them because they'll get assets back in return. And then when you look at, you know, the Pelicans, the Pelicans are going to be getting Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, who are two young, you know, pieces. Marcus Smart's on a team-friendly contract at $11 million, and Tatum's on a $6.7 million contract that is um, got three years left, two years left, something like that. And so, you know, both of those guys have, you know, team control at that point. And then you're getting four first-round draft picks to already go with the one first-round draft pick that you have this year. And so you're probably thinking to yourself, um, if you're the Pelicans, why would you want to do something like that? But they got some guys coming off the books, you know, and uh, Ephraim Payton, and they got uh, Jason Smith, and they got Julius Randle could come off the books um, if he – does not um, accept the um, player option thing. So, I mean, there are um, players um, on the Pelicans who have um, their contracts are going to be up, and um, Stanley Johnson, uh, and then a few of the smaller ones. So I think that would work out for the Pelicans because they have so many draft picks to work with. And then if the Pelicans wanted to move up in the draft, they have four picks that they can say, hey, you know, Atlanta, I know you guys have a top three pick, but here's, you know, three picks from us. Or, hey, you know, Brooklyn, you have this pick. I'll trade up to get it. Or the Lakers, you know, or whoever, you know. So I think um, that is something that I think makes sense for all sides. Now, I think the biggest hurdle in this situation would be getting all of these pieces to go together and to make everything work is something very difficult that may or may not happen. And most likely it won't because it's just when you're trading with two teams, it's, it's manageable. But when you add in that third team, um, it is, uh, just a totally different situation. And, um, you know, something that's a lot more difficult to deal with. So in terms of what I think is going to happen, who knows? Um, I would love to see Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving playing in Boston together. And I think if, to be honest with you, if you had a roster with those three, throw in Al Horford and whoever else makes the money work, I think that's good enough, if not better than Golden State. Because you have a defensive player of the year, an MVP, a scoring guy, and a veteran presence in Al Horford. Plus, 
you know, whoever's left over. Now, if you have to give up Tatum and Brown and you have to give up, you know, uh, Marcus Smart, by all means do it because you're getting two superstar talents in return. So, you know, it's probably not going to happen, but this is a hypothetical situation that in the NBA it can work, and it's something that all of the pieces need to fall into the right places in order for it to work. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But that's just what I think um, could happen. Who knows? So the next thing I want to talk about is a very uh, controversial and very important um, uh, conspiracy theory in sports. And it is the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest conspiracy theory in all of basketball. And that is the Patrick Ewing New York Knicks conspiracy theory in the draft. So, um, in 1985, Patrick Ewing was, um, up to be one of the top picks in the draft. He went to Georgetown and got them to the, uh, finals, um, and they made it to the NCAA championship in 1984 and they ended up winning. And, um, Patrick Ewing was the number one overall pick. He was the guy that everyone expected to be number one overall. And, um, there were no real questions with that. And so, um, you know, there were a few teams that were up for a chance at, um, getting Patrick Ewing. There was New York Knicks. Indiana Pacers, Los Angeles Clippers, Seattle Supersonics, um, and Atlanta Hawks were the top five uh, worst teams. And in that order was how it ended up going. So um, the New York Knicks ended up getting the first pick in the draft, which big market team, biggest market out of all of the teams in the running for the number one overall pick. And um, they... uh, that's where uh, Patrick Ewing ended up going. And he was a Hall of Famer, and he was someone who revitalized what was New York. And in the 1990s, New York Knicks were one of the best teams in the uh, Eastern Conference because of Patrick Ewing. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy about this because of the way that it was um, picked. So... I've heard a lot of things about this. I've heard a lot of different conspiracies on it. And um, the most um, plausible theory is that the uh, way that the draft was picked back in the day, it wasn't ping pong balls, it was cards. So every team would have one card and it would be uh, put inside of a a giant glass um, ball and would be shook up and then you'd pick it out without looking, just pick out whichever ones, um, in whatever order. And so there is someone who, um, or some speculations is that when they were putting the cards inside the, um, uh, box, the person who did that from, uh, the, uh, agency, um, Ernst and Whitney, who has done this for years, they hit it across the side of the you know, ball, and it dinked it so the bent edge could be seen. 
And so if you're looking at it from a television screen, it's very difficult to see. Um, but if you slow mo motion it and watch videos where they do that, you can see him throwing all the rest in and that specific one getting bounced to the, to the edge of the ball and then getting falling in with the sort of damaged edge. And so um, a lot of people are saying that, you know, that is uh, something that he did so that David Stern, when he would pick the names out, would know that the one with the bent edge was the New York Knicks card. And so he would pick out the other cards at random, and then he ended up choosing the New York Knicks card as the number one pick based on the fact that he knew the one with the bent edge was the New York Knicks pick. Um, you know, and the controversy also, you know, was based on the fact that, you know, New York was struggling, the Knicks were struggling, they weren't, you know, the Walt Frazier Knicks of past years, and so they needed some sort of revitalizing thing, and everyone thought Patrick Ewing was going to be that guy, which he ended up being that guy, and so some are, some argued that David Stern, you know, fixed this so that, you know, the number one overall pick could go to New York, New York, a big market, you know, it helps ratings and, um, you know, that's what people are saying, um, right there. They think, oh, maybe he, uh, he did that. Maybe he tried to fix it in some way, but, um, you know, uh, who knows on that one. There also were some conspiracy, um, conspiracy theories out there that the New York Knicks card was frozen. Someone took the card and froze it. Um, and when David Stern touched the card, it was frozen to his hand. So he knew that was the New York Knicks one. Keep it to the side and pick it last. I don't know if I believe that. And there was a video I saw on YouTube about guys trying to do the exact same thing with like paper and, it really didn't do anything to the paper. And so um, I don't exactly know what they used for the cards, but according to what I saw in this video on YouTube, it didn't look like it made any, any difference. And so this might have not been you know part of the conspiracy or it just might have been what people were saying. But when you think about conspiracy theories, um, you know, this is one of the you know, biggest conspiracy theories, if not the biggest in basketball, because, you know, you look at different teams and their probabilities of getting um, the player, and the Knicks clearly weren't up there. They were the third worst odds, and they ended up getting the first pick. So, um, right, you know, that's one of the biggest conspiracy theories in all of basketball and so, um, yeah, that is um, the biggest conspiracy theory. Um, so moving on to the um, second thing I want to talk about, which is the um, awards for this year. So um, we're going to start out with MVP. So the first one, I think James Harden's going to be MVP. At the beginning of um, the year, uh, Everybody expected, or at least I expected, um, uh, Russell Westbrook to be the MVP. But um, I think the end result is going to be James Harden MVP again. Now, James Harden's had 
some very good stretches where he's just been playing lights out basketball. He's averaging 36 and a half points, seven rebounds, uh, seven assists, six rebounds. And he's just had multiple games with um, 30 points or more. And he had a streak going, a long streak. So I think James Harden is the obvious choice because he is having such a great season. Now, um, I said um, that um, Russell Westbrook was going to be MVP at the beginning of the season, but I think James Harden is outproving him. I think if there was someone who is a steal choice or someone who you might think, hey, maybe he's got a shot, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Milwaukee is in first place. They're rolling past their opponents, and he is uh, averaging 27, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, one and a half steals and one and a half blocks and he is just playing his best basketball and I think for him he's going to be an MVP someday but I think James Harden's got it this year but he is um very good I'll tell you tell you that one um and so that's uh what I think uh for MVP now looking at um the next Rookie of the Year title. So, I said Luka Doncic at the beginning of the year, and a lot of people were saying it was going to be DeAndre Ayton, who was the number one overall pick. Some of the analysts said that they were going to um, pick Luka Doncic because he has the most experience being an international player who played overseas. And so, um, everybody was saying, you know, it might be... um, the uh, big man, DeAndre Ayton, but Luka Doncic was the guy that I said. And he looks like he is playing his way into that um, award. So far this season, he is averaging 21.7.3 total rebounds and and 5.5 assists. Looking at his... um, Stats based on the game-by-game production. Uh, In his last appearance, he scored 31 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Then he had 16 points before that and 22 points before that. He has um, only had three games, um, four games um, uh, in um, the month February and March where he, or I guess January, February, March, where he had under uh, 10 points a game. And he had a triple-double against Toronto January 27th. He had triple-double the 25th of uh, February against the Clippers. And he's been playing some very good basketball. So I think he is Rookie of the Year. He deserves to be Rookie of the Year. And... um you know, that's where I sit right now. So then looking at um, the next guy who uh, it's Defensive Player of the Year, I think Defensive Player of the Year is going to be Rudy Gobert. And he was an all-star um, before. He's averaging 15 points per game, 12.9 rebounds, two blocks, and he's been playing some uh, great basketball for Utah 
and um, you know just playing lights out when he needs to be. So um, his last game he had 22 points, 13 rebounds. The game before that he had 19 points, 19 rebounds. He has had um, multiple 20-point games. Um, if you look at his stats in March and February, uh, he's only had two games in March and February that he didn't have a double-double. And then in January, he's only had four games where he did not have a double-double. So, very good numbers. And he is deserving of, in my opinion, Defensive Player of the Year. Now, we are going to move on to the Sixth Man of the Year competition. Um, this one, I don't really know who is going to be the winner. I would say, um, you know, there are a lot of guys in contention for me. Um, and my pick would be Dennis Schroeder. Of the OKC Thunder, who is averaging 15 points a game. He is proving to be a solid backup point guard to Russell Westbrook and a backup, uh, another scoring option for their team. And um, when he got traded in the Car big Carmelo Anthony deal from Atlanta, he was getting a reduced role, but he was um, going to a place where he can compete and contend because obviously uh, the Hawks aren't doing that so um he is a solid option who makes a lot of sense and so um probably in terms of coach of the year which is the next category i'm going to look at and the final category i'm going to look at i am going to pick mike uh budenholzer who is the milwaukee bucks uh head coach and I am picking him over the likes of Quinn Schneider, uh, Greg Popovich, and um, others, Brad Stevens, uh, because his team is in first place. And his team is playing the best basketball in the NBA, and their record is the best in basketball, 48-16. and 16. And, you know, usually whoever's got the best record, usually I would say – the coach gets um, coach of the year. Um, I think, you know, Milwaukee has already clinched the playoff spot and they are just, you know, playing some good basketball. And so I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense um, for them. And I think the NBA and he's the best option. He's having a great year in his first year with Milwaukee and he has given them some sort of purpose and has kind of taken this team that was last year a mismatch of players and made them something that they can actually play with. So I am picking him as Coach of the Year. Moving on to something that I saw um, on the herd with Colin Cowherd. This was um, an episode that came uh, a little while ago. And one of the segments had Brian Scalabrini, who was on the Boston Celtics championship team, the White Mamba. Now he's a Boston Celtics announcer. And I was talking about LeBron James and his historic moment of passing Michael Jordan in scoring. And he said that at the moment, LeBron James might have been regretting, you know, this sort of situation where he, he got his big moment in L.A. And... He thought that if he was in Cleveland or 
somewhere else, Miami, and he had got that moment, it would have been a bigger, bigger deal for him. Because like this year, they're not going to make the playoffs, and you know everyone's um, saying they're not looking so good, and a lot of players um, don't really want to come to um, L.A. And so, um, as of right now, he or in the the segment, he was saying that at that moment, LeBron was maybe regretting coming to Los Angeles, and then um, he he said afterwards that being in L.A. Um, changed that after the game because you know you're in 75 degree weather in Los Angeles where you can do so many things for your career you probably uh, got over that pretty quickly but at the time when it was in the stadium he was probably wishing he was somewhere else and so their season as a whole just hasn't been that good you know and um, not what LeBron James is used to and Maybe at the moment there was some truth to that. Um, you know, I'm sure if he was in Cleveland with his hometown fans and, you know, Kevin Love and J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson by his side, he definitely would have enjoyed it more. If he had, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, the Miami Heat, he probably would have enjoyed it more too. But it's still a big moment, and I'm sure he was taking it all in as well. And so um, for him, that's the case. And so. The segment also talked about the Lakers in free agency, and Scalabrini said that the Lakers may have to settle for DeMarcus Cousins and Jimmy Butler if Kyrie Irving doesn't go there, Kemba Walker doesn't go there, Clay Thompson, Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis doesn't go there in a trade. All the big guys really don't go there, and so, um, you know... He said that the Lakers might have to settle on Jimmy Butler and DeMarcus Cousins. Now, don't get me wrong. Jimmy Butler is a great player. And DeMarcus Cousins was an all-star at one point. That's um, nothing new. But, you know, this season they're not doing... Or at least DeMarcus Cousins was out for a lot of it. And then... um, you have DeMarcus Cousins, yeah, he was out for a lot of it, and Jimmy Butler has been up and down with uh, first Minnesota, followed by um, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, and so, um, you know, there is a lot of tension between, you know, Jimmy Butler and the 76ers and DeMarcus Cousins, everyone knew he was just a one-year rental in Golden State, so... I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for um, Golden uh, for the Lakers if they got those two guys. It's not, I don't think, what they wanted. I think they're shooting for Kevin Durant slash Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. And, you know, if Boston gets Anthony Davis or Anthony Davis goes to New York or somewhere else and, you know, all of these other free agents go to, you know, what if Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant go to the Clippers and the Lakers don't get anyone, you know? And so they were just talking about how, um, among other things, how this would, if this would be a good move for the Lakers. And thinking about it, you know, Jimmy Butler's no slouch, 19 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, um, not bad. Um, obviously he's had better seasons, um, when he was with um, Chicago, 
um, starting in the 14-15 season going up until his last season in Minnesota. Full season in Minnesota, he averaged over 20 points a game. This season, he's averaging um, 18.6 with um, Philadelphia. He averaged 21 with Minnesota, equaling 19 total. And then you look at DeMarcus Cousins, who's injury-prone. He's been out for a while. Yes, right now, he's averaging 15 points, 8 rebounds. But DeMarcus Cousins only started playing on the 18th of January. Or actually, yeah, the 18th of January against the Clippers, in which he had 14 points and he had uh, 6 rebounds. And so, you know... DeMarcus Cousins has had an up-and-down season. Last year, he was out for a lot of it, and this season, he's been out for a lot of it, too. And so, he's not someone you can rely on, and Jimmy Butler is, I guess, more reliable, but he has his issues. He had his issues with um, Minnesota, which is why he wanted out, and now it seems like Philadelphia he has issues with. And so, Colin, in this segment, was talking about how this is three, like, volatile you know, personalities, because you have DeMarcus Cousins, who has had his issues with coaches and players, and Jimmy Butler has his issues with coaches and players, and then LeBron is, you know, LeBron, and how are these guys going to feel if they have to deal with, you know, LeBron, who's such a big presence, and so, um, if I was thinking about that, and if the Lakers ended up getting Jimmy Butler and DeMarcus Cousins as their free agency options... Um, which I don't think they're going to get Jimmy Butler. I think he's going to stay in Philadelphia. But if they were to get those guys, I think it would be kind of a letdown for the fans because DeMarcus Cousins is obviously going to ask for, you know, close to a max contract because that's what he feels he's worth. And then you have Jimmy Butler who is going to also ask for close to a max contract. And, I mean, he deserves it because he's had such a great career. But overall... It's a letdown, in my opinion, for the Lakers because they just have tried so hard to have all these, you know, this cap space and try to get these big-time free agents. And last offseason, they got LeBron, but they whiffed on pretty much everyone else. And, you know, Magic Johnson said if he doesn't get uh, two stars to come to L.A. by his second year, he's going to leave. And I think, you know, he's probably won't because, you know, he's just such a big part of that organization but I mean the Lakers expect excellence and you know this sort of period where the Lakers have just been struggling since Kobe Bryant retired is really not what the Lakers are used to because you had you know from probably 2013 up until uh like you go to 96 when Kobe was drafted and then you um, have maybe a smaller stretch in the 90s when Magic Johnson was kind of out out of basketball and they weren't as good but the whole 80s and the whole 2000s up until 2013 the Lakers were the gold standard for basketball besides you know the Celtics in the 80s and Michael Jordan's Bulls in the 90s and, you know, whoever else. But, you know, this is not something the Lakers are used to. They're used to success. And 
you know, seeing all these other teams have success, Lakers fans are like, where is our success? Where, you know, we've had so much, we're, they're used to it. Like, I saw something a couple days ago, Snoop Dogg put something up, he's was pissed off that the, the Lakers were doing so bad, he said he'd offer his tickets up, season tickets for five bucks. I know it was a joke probably, and he wouldn't obviously do it, but it just shows you how all of Hollywood loves the Lakers, and they just want them to be so successful, and they're just not doing that. And, you know, as a Celtics fan, it's great to see, because I don't like the Lakers, but for, you know, someone who likes them, or someone who likes basketball, having the Lakers being a good team is, is a good thing for the league. And so, you know, I think, you know, where the Lakers sit right now, right now they're in uh, 11th place, or I guess tied for 10th and 11th place with Minnesota, a 30-35 and 35 record. They're most likely not going to make the playoffs this year. And assuming that they don't get any solid off-season acquisitions, they're not going to improve drastically. I don't I don't think Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, and Ingram are... They're good. They're not great. And so, I mean, right now, that's where they sit. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, there's no real going up here. I know a lot of people have said, should LeBron stop playing? Should LeBron count this season as a loss and gear up for next season? Should they try and tank a little bit to get a, a draft pick that's um, uh, more towards the top of the lottery? I mean, the Lakers, that's not who they are, so they won't do that, and that's not what LeBron is. But if LeBron James has to end his career in an organization like the Lakers where they're not playing well, I don't think that's going to be a good thing, and I think he's going to instantly, maybe not right now, but 10, 20 years down the road, be like, I regret the fact that I actually went to the Lakers in the first place, because while they're historically a great franchise, they're not playing like it right now. And so, um, you know, I think um, they got a lot of work to do if they're trying to keep and uphold the Lakers' standard. So the final thing I want to talk about in this week's episode of the podcast, which I alluded to a little bit earlier, was LeBron James passed Michael Jordan in an all-time NBA points list. Um, and Michael Jordan was not uh, number one on the list. As of right now, the list goes uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with uh, 38,000, Karl Malone with 36,000, Kobe Bryant with 33,000, and then LeBron James, who just passed Jordan, at 32,311 points. And then Michael Jordan with 32,292 points. And so, LeBron James can, I would say, easily pass Kobe Bryant on that list, because he's probably going to play at least three or four more seasons, probably, maybe more. And then, Karl Malone might be a little tough to, to get to, but... Um, you know, I just want to talk about how, um, you know, I still think, you know, LeBron James is um, the best player in basketball right now. And I want to talk about the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate. So LeBron James is still the best player in basketball. He is um, obviously not averaging as much and is not going to be MVP, but he's one of those players 
that is always in the MVP uh, race every year. It's kind of it's like Michael Jordan or it's like Larry Bird in the sense that you know Michael Jordan every single year was in MVP contention, whether he won it every year or not. He was always someone that's name came up. Same thing with like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you know, Kobe Bryant. They're just big time guys. Kevin Durant, I feel like, is on that level, but I think Durant is not as successful as LeBron yet. And I think, you know, LeBron's got that edge. So I'd put him over LeBron over Kevin Durant. And then looking at the matchup one on one, LeBron versus Jordan, I would have to give it still to Michael Jordan for a couple of reasons. Um,. One has to be the finals and the championships. Yes, um, LeBron has three NBA championships, and he's been to um, far more championships than Michael Jordan. But Jordan was 6-0 in championships, and there was a period of time, 1994, 93, 94, and then I believe 94, 95, like two years worth of time when Michael Jordan wanted to play baseball. He played minor league ball for the White Sox. And so he ended up taking time off from basketball. And then he also, after 1998, when they won that championship, he uh, left basketball and came back to the Wizards in 2001. And so I think Michael Jordan could have gotten at least one more championship if he had stayed and not went to baseball. And he could have probably gotten another one after the 98 uh, when he retired a second time and then before he came back to the Wizards. And so I think that's a big reason why he is, uh, in my book, better than LeBron James. I mean, yes, LeBron James has more of the stat sheets. Um, just looking at their numbers, obviously points, LeBron James has more. Looking at... Um, some of the other stats, um, he's got more uh, rebounds, he's got more um, assists total in his career. He is just, overall, looking at the numbers, a better player. Granted, LeBron James played more uh, seasons than Jordan, and his career is not over. Jordan played um, like 12, 15 seasons, roughly. Somewhere around that number, LeBron James has um, at least 18 seasons. And I'm sure LeBron James is going to eclipse 20 seasons before his career is over. Because I think it's 2019 right now. And if he gets to the year 2023, that'll be 20 years of NBA play. And so, um, you know, LeBron James has the numbers in terms of years, which means he'll get more stat sheets will fill up quicker or whatever. But I still think, you know, LeBron James isn't as good as uh, Jordan. Looking at, um, just looking at MVP, Jordan got six finals MVPs and five most valuable player awards. LeBron has three finals MVPs and four MVP for the league's. Um, all-star appearances, obviously LeBron's going to have the edge because he's played more seasons. All-star game MVPs, um, they have the same number. All-NBA first team, obviously LeBron's going to have the edge because he played plays more seasons. Same thing with all-NBA um, 
second team appearances. And then defense, all defensive first team, Michael Jordan has the edge there. And then um, both of these guys were rookie of the year. And um, 10-time scoring champion for Jordan. So he's got the lead there. Three-time NBA steals leader. Um, and so besides the, you know, the all-star appearances and just the length of the career, Jordan's numbers outnumber LeBron's and Jordan has slam dunk champion. And, um, you know, his number has been, was retired by, um, Chicago and for some reason by Miami. And obviously LeBron James is going to have his number retired by Miami and Cleveland and maybe the Lakers, probably not. And he also has it retired by North Carolina. And obviously, we're not going to talk about all the college stats because LeBron didn't even play college, so Jordan has the edge right there. And so, um, you know, I think Jordan, just as it is, has the edge over LeBron because of championships, because of MVPs, all that stuff. And when you look at what he was playing with, you know, he has, or his team has the best, or one of the best seasons in NBA history. I think the Warriors eclipsed, or almost eclipsed that recently, and within the last two years, but LeBron doesn't have that, and, you know, when you look at Jordan Pippen and Dennis Rodman, you could argue that's a better three than Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron. Granted, LeBron and Jordan are both top. I think Scottie Pippen, he might be better than Dwayne Wade. I think they're both on the same level. But then you have Dennis Rodman, who's clearly better than, you know, Chris Bosh. And then all the the guys with him, Charles Oakley, Steve Kerr, Horace Grant, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think personally... Michael Jordan gets the edge in my book because Michael Jordan's just the overall better player. Granted, the stat sheets are going to be in LeBron's favor just because he's played more seasons and will have played more seasons than Michael. But again, I think Michael Jordan is the consensus number one overall choice. And so people are going to be arguing that point until basically the end of time. You know, the only way we can really put a definitive stamp on this is when LeBron James finishes his career and then you look at his career numbers versus Jordan's career numbers because they'll both be done by that point and so until that point you know you have to look at where they're standing right now and Jordan's got the edge granted if you're a Miami Heat fan or a Cleveland Cavs fan or even a Lakers fan you'd probably say LeBron James because he played for your team obviously if you're a Chicago Bulls fan or a, a Wizards fan you'd probably say Jordan just because that's where he played. So, again, it's something that will be debated, and analysts from every network will look at it and try to see the best of the two players and give their reasonings and their logical reasonings. But I say Jordan over LeBron, and that's my my take there. So that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Tune in for a podcast next week where we talk about more basketball news in the NBA. So. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening.